This podcast is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, check out our website at communitycovenant.net. Well, good morning. I'm uh, Neil, the staff leadership pastor, and um, many of you have already received the news this week that our the leadership team of Community Covenant Church uh, hired Pastor Brad Bergfalk to be a transitional lead pastor here at Community Covenant Church, and we're excited about this. Um, here's a picture of Brad and his wife, uh, Roxana, but she goes by Roxy, so Brad and Roxy. Um, they will be coming up here soon from the Seattle area where Brad recently uh, completed his role as interim or transitional lead pastor at Pine Lake Covenant Church in Sammamish, Washington. Now, if that church and that city sound familiar to you, it's because it is. Uh, that is the church where Pastor Mark, who just left here as lead pastor, is now lead pastor. And so there's just there's this interesting little exchange that's occurring and uh, now, but you also need to know that that didn't happen uh, without a lot of processing and prayer uh, by our transition team. And um, we had a, as a transition team, we had a, a, a group of really good candidates that we, we had to process through that. And we're, we're just really excited about this. Uh, Brad and Roxy have three kids. Uh, two of them are in college. Uh, one is a senior in high school. And you'll be hearing more about uh, him uh, here in the coming weeks. You can go to our website to read a little bit more of his bio. Also, just want to remind you that, um, you know, Brad, in this role, this is a temporary position by design because Brad's uh, a win for Brad. If Brad has done what he's being asked to do, his role is to help us keep the main thing the main thing while transitioning from uh, Mark as lead pastor of 17 years to who God is calling uh, to, to be our next uh, long term lead pastor. And so uh, that's what a win is for him. And he knows that it's temporary. And uh, he knows that he's not a candidate to be that that permanent lead pastor. And so um, but we're just excited about this. He's excited about coming. It was kind of funny when we were talking about this as the core staff this week. And I introduced Brad uh, to them. Uh, Tyler, Pastor Tyler, made a comment that I think we were all feeling. He's like, well, this is really kind of cool. But now I realize that we, we can't really have a fresh start with the next this, this new pastor because he knows all about our quirks and our, you know, and our, our weirdness and all that kind of stuff because Mark has had a chance to get to know Brad. And so it's kind of true. He's, I know Mark's told him all about you as well. And so whatever that, that makes you feel like, I think it's actually kind of a good thing. And so um, Brad will be uh, with us. The first Sunday he'll be with us is September 9th. And Roxy will be joining him about a month after that. And so just encourage you to pray for them during this time of transition for them. And so I'm going to do that now. Uh, Father, we, we thank you for Brad and Roxy and that they are coming. They're, they're excited about coming to be with us and to serve alongside of us. We pray for all of the stuff that has to happen uh, just to transition, all those details uh, that need to happen, that they would go well. And I pray that you would prepare our hearts as a church to receive them as, as your gifts into the life of our church during this time. Now, Father, as, uh, as we enter into this, this time of our worship where we specifically open your word and we listen, uh, Lord, I need you. I ask that by your spirit you would enable me to speak as one speaking your very words. And as I serve, that I would serve relying on your strength so that in all things you would receive praise through Jesus Christ, that he would get all the attention in his name. Amen.
Well, hey, we have been in this series called Living Faith, uh, exploring how faith in Jesus Christ, a faith that, that goes beyond just what we do on Sundays, can emerge and become real in our life. And we're entering into a new series called Life Together as we explore what, just some of the aspects of what it means to do life together as the church. And so um, they, there's a connection. I want to draw a connection between living faith and life together. And here's that connection, okay? Living faith is produced through life together. Living faith is produced through life together. This uh, living faith that, that starts to mess with every area of our life because we're beginning to become more like Jesus Christ, that's produced by doing life together as the body of Christ. And so one of my prayers for, for all of us today is that we take a step towards a deeper, greater love for the church. And that we are, we're willing to enter in more deeply to what it means to do life together. Now, I recognize that I've got some challenges in doing that. Um, you know, this is not the prevailing message of our culture. Uh, frankly, it's not sometimes even the prevailing message that is within the subcultures of our churches at times. If you think about it, our culture basically makes being a part of the church optional. Well, you know, I'll go if I want to, you go if you don't want to, or, you know, don't go if you don't want to. Uh, maybe I'll go over here for a time because they're doing something really cool. But then now they're doing something really cool over here and I'll go over here. Kind of the idea is, you know, I, I can go, I get, I receive, um, it, you know, I, I'm having my needs met. It's a form of consumerism that even comes out sometimes in saying, well, you know, I love Jesus, but I don't really need the church. You know, and that's a far cry from what it should be, which, which is basically, here's who I was, here's who I am, and who I'm becoming, and Jesus Christ is doing a miracle in me, and he's knitting me into this thing, this, this new community, this family, his family, his church, and it's a beautiful thing. You see, if, if, we had, if I had Jesus present here today in physical form, and I could interview him, and I could say, hey, Jesus, what do you think about the church? I think his answer would be far different than what some of us would say. Oh, you know, let me tell you what happened over at this church and some of the issues that came up. And let me tell you what somebody did over at this church and all the stuff that happened up in my church in Fairbanks. You know, blah, blah, blah. Whatever. No, you ask Jesus what he thinks about the church. Jesus gets fired up. He says, oh, the church. Yeah, that's my deal. That's my church. That's my number one priority. I gave myself for it. I sacrificed myself for it. I'm building the church. I'm the head of the church. It's my bride, and it's beautiful. And we might go, whoa, Jesus, we didn't know you felt that way. And he says, are you kidding me? I love the church. Because through the church, I am revealing to the world who I am, who my Father is. And regardless of what you may hear, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. That's the vision that Jesus has for the church. But another challenge to helping us take a step towards love for the church is that often what we experience in this church, in the church, is less than this compelling vision that Jesus has for the church. I mean, let's just be real. It's some, often very, it's not the same compelling vision at times. Um, and so our, our commitment wanes. Um, part of my own story, some of you have heard some of this in, in my story, but part of my own story is that when, 
by the time I hit the age of 27, which was only like five years ago, um, it was actually 16 years ago. I was a little aghast when I calculated the other day. But when I hit the age of 27, basically after having grown up in the church, I grew up in, around church, but it was, there was really not a whole lot of life in the church. And there was a whole lot of hurting each other going on in the church. And I saw that. I uh, saw my mom get hurt over and over again. And then uh, after going to college and spending four years there, even though during that time I did experience some real mentorship and discipleship, but I also experienced a huge dose of legalism that just kind of threw me for a loop during that time. And then a number of other, you know, several more years in a church, um, you know, outside of Fairbanks, where all of our collective dysfunction just spew, spilled out in really ugly fashion. And then we ended up leaving that church because my job changed. And I found myself in a place where I just wasn't sure that this vision, this compelling vision that Jesus has for his church could really be real and experienced. Uh, I wasn't sure I wanted to enter back into that. And uh, it felt too risky. And um, at best, I wanted to stay on the fringes, but part of me just kind of wanted to bail altogether. Well, um, some of you have a true desire to grow and to go deeper than what you can do here on Sunday mornings, but you just, you don't think there's anyone else out there that wants to go there with you. You can't seem to find someone else who wants to go with you. I had three conversations this week that went something like this. You know, I want to go deeper. I, I want to go beyond what can happen on a Sunday morning, but I can't seem to find anyone around who wants to go there. If you were one of those conversations, now you're realizing you weren't the only one that feels that way. And also in that is, is an acknowledgement oftentimes that says, even if I found someone who's willing to go there, I'm not sure how to do that amidst just the, the daily demands on my life. Others of you, you say you want to grow, and I think you really do want to grow, but you, you basically say you want to grow, but you keep everyone at, at arm's distance. It's a kind of stiff arm. It's like, oh yeah, I want to go deep. I want to go deep, but my desire to keep people out from my heart is greater than my desire to really grow. And so we say we want to grow, but everything, all of our actions basically keep people at a distance. And we stiff arm. We stiff arm people. I was reminded this week of all these really beautiful plants that are around here. And these are real, not the sticky ones up in there. But these over here and the ones back there are real. And it's a cool reminder of life, especially as we've been in this series on living faith. But, you know, these things don't stay healthy. Number one, if I was taking care of them, <laughs> um, that's why I have fake plants in my office. I have one real plant in my office, okay? Okay. Um, but they don't stay healthy without some intentional care and, and, and uh, intentionality um, of, and love, really, for them. And we've got people like Jen and Renee and uh, John who pour some care into this so that when we come in here on Sundays, they're actually alive. And so if these plants are going to need some, some intentional care and effort, I, I mean, our spiritual lives are going to need intentional care and effort. So living faith is produced through doing life together. We need to hear what God has to say about the church and how growth occurs in the church. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. And I encourage you to, to uh, turn there with me, Ephesians chapter 4. Um, regardless of whether your Bible looks like this or whether it's on your smartphone or your iPad, I don't care, it doesn't matter. 
I'm also going to have it on the screen so that uh, you can follow along that way. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says here, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, the first thing we need to realize is that this statement that Paul made makes is, is coming uh, immediately following all that he's just said in this letter. He's basically saying, uh, I, in light of all that I just said, well, what did, what did he just say? Well, basically, he, he lays out very clearly in the first half of this letter this miracle that God has done. And it's, it's summarized in, in uh, chapter 2, verses 1 and 4, where basically he says, You and I were dead in the water in our sins and transgressions. And then uh, verse 4 of chapter 2, But because of his, God's great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in, transgression, dead in transgressions. So in light of what Christ has done for us, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, it's not about going back and trying to earn what uh, God has done. It's simply saying, look at what Jesus has done and seek to live a life in response to that. And when we do that, it's, it's also going to work itself out in the way we live with each other. Verses 2, 2 and 3. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So he's getting into this, this theme of unity. And you need to know that the context here in this letter is very clearly the church. It's not just individual followers of Christ. The context here is the church. And he keeps on, he goes on and describes more fully, a, a kind of a, this, you know, where does this unity come from? There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Basically, we are united because this is God's thing. He's doing it and we're all a part of it. Now, it's, it's really kind of cool. We've had these corporate, we've had like three corporate uh, prayer gatherings as a church over the last couple of months. And, um, you know, I wish I could kind of share all the things that it just seems like God has been saying. But one of the things that, that has, we shouldn't be surprised that has come up during those corporate prayer gatherings is a reminder to, to keep and pursue unity is the body of Christ. That shouldn't surprise us that that would come up because this is what he's talking about here. Okay, so then he goes on and basically says that this unity comes through diversity. And we'll, you, you kind of see that God's given grace and gifts to people in a variety of ways. And then in verse 11, he basically says, I've given you leaders for the church. Different kinds of leaders, but leaders. So verse 11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Why did he give them leaders to lead? And what they were to lead to what outcome? They were to lead to what outcome? Well, he keeps on going in verse 12 to equip his people for works of service to prepare is another way to say it to equip or prepare his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Uh, one of our roles, not the only role, but it's one of our central roles as pastors who serve you is to to help you uh, is to help prepare you for works of service. Each one of us has been created by God with purpose in mind. He's given us something to do. And part of our job is to help you discover that, embrace that, and begin to live out of that. And Paul says that 
why is that important? Well, so that the body of Christ may be built up. You see, the body of Christ is built up as more and more of us embrace and live out of who God has created us to be. Well, he goes on, um, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. There's kind of the, the, the end goal, that we become mature. Now, the, the word mature here is a word that basically is it's a picture of complete, to be complete or full grown. In this context, he's, in, you'll see in verse 14, he, he contrasts um, maturity, the idea of full grown with someone who is, who is an infant in their faith. Okay, so um, the, the goal is that we're complete. We're full grown in our faith. And the words, the phrase in there, we all, okay, so uh, that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach. That we all is another evidence that this is a a corporate context here. In other words, there's no indication here that that growth can happen in in isolation from others as the body of Christ. And the corporate destination is is pretty incredible. It's maturity. But then he even describes it in this phrase, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, I don't know. I mean, I I know myself. You know me a little bit, but you don't know me fully. I know you, but I don't know you fully. But I know myself enough to know that the idea of attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, that's a huge goal. And I'm a long ways from that. We're all a long ways from that, but that is the corporate goal that we're to be moving towards together. It's the corporate destination that we're to be uh, looking towards. And uh, verse 14 is basically gives you the reverse. If you're not mature, what does it look like? Well, then you will no longer be infants uh, in your faith. So, you you know, infants in your spiritual life. Um, But the lack of maturity looks like this. Tossed back and forth by the waves. Blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. That's what the lack of maturity would look like. He said, don't stay there. You've got to move beyond that as the people of God. And then in 15, verse 15 and 16. Instead of that, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. You know, there are, there are three, three uh, measures often used to measure, I guess, success as a church. Okay? Um, one, as you can imagine, is attendance, right? How many people are coming? And uh, that's not unimportant, okay? It's not that it doesn't matter. Uh, we know how many people came last week. We know how many people came the same week last week as this, you know, as this year and the, week, the, the year before that. And it's important to know that so you can plan and you can be a good steward of what God's given you. A, a second measure is uh, finances, uh, financial growth, percentage growth. There's always kind of, you know, all way, a lot of different ways you can measure that. But again, we know as a church um, how much was given as a church last week. We can tell you what happened last year on the same Sunday. And again, to be a good steward, you need to know that. Um, a third way is programs. Uh, what do you have going on for kids, for youth, for families, for adults and different ages of adults? And what are the different you know, opportunities that you give people to serve in the community? All those things are really, really important. But we've we got to be careful not to get into the trap of, de- of deciding that that's the way you measure the health and the success as a church. Because how does Paul de- define success here? 
that we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. Paul says it another way in Romans 8, 28. Um, a lot of you may have heard this, the first part of this. When we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And in the first half of verse 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, don't get tripped up on the word predestined. All that means is that there's something that God has predetermined about each one of us. And that is his desire is that each one of us would grow and become more like the person of Jesus Christ. That is his goal for us. That's how we measure success as the church. So how are you doing in that? How am I doing? Are you growing to become more and more like Jesus Christ? Are we becoming more like Jesus Christ? Am I beginning to think more like Jesus? Am I beginning to uh, love people around me like Jesus? Am I, am I beginning to uh, uh, sacrifice like Jesus? Am I beginning to experience the joy that Jesus experiences? You see, if, if, if you're growing, then we're growing as a church. And if we're all growing, we're really growing as a church. But if we're not growing, then we're, we're hurting the growth of the church. We're impacting the growth of the church. And so are we willing to ask that, you know, that question? That's the question we really need to be asking. Now, it's a whole lot harder to measure than the, the attendance and the finances and the programs. But this is how we, we define success in in the church. So there are three ways that we grow. Okay. When lives, our lives are being changed, we're growing. You see, when, when we're experiencing transformation from the inside out, people around us are going to start to look at her and they're going to say, man, what is going on in this guy? And our answer, if they ask, shouldn't be, well, I'm, it shouldn't just be, well, I, I believe in God or I'm a Christian. It should be, God is doing a miracle in me. He's changing me from the inside out and he's doing it as he knits me into this new community of people, this family of God. I realize there's a place for me in this family. They accept me as I am and they're being changed alongside of me. I had, I've had the, the privilege of getting to, to know Justin Carr uh, a little bit. Have you, have you guys, any of you guys know Justin Carr? He's been a, he and his wife, Jeannie, have been a part of our, our congregation. And um, I'm bummed he just, they just left a few days ago to, to go to a new assignment. But I've got to tell you, I mean, Justin is one of these guys I ended up meeting this, this week. And once again, I, I was blown away to, to be... When I, to be with him, and I'm not trying to, I mean, I'm trying to raise up Jesus in him, because I, I, don't know some, I, I don't know anyone that I see Jesus in like I see in Justin. It just pours out of him, his love for Jesus, and he was just kind of telling me, I mean, it just, and I've, as I've gotten to know him, it's just obvious. I mean, people around him in his workplace, in his neighborhood, they're drawn to Christ in him, and he invests his life in, in people around him because they see him being changed. But he's very careful to say, look, it's not about me. This is what Jesus is doing in me. And, and, you need, and he, he does his best to point them. Now, if you know Justin, you also know that part of his story is disillusionment with the church because he's a pastor's kid and there's a lot of stuff that happened there. But he's convinced that there's something about what it means to be the church and even what we do here on Sundays that matters. And that as he points uh, people to Jesus, he's also got to point them to this community of faith. He hasn't lost hope in this 
uh, this, this thing called the church. Well, we grow when our lives, uh, your life and my life is being changed. Two, we grow when our stories of life change are being shared uh, with others. And um, in that passage, again, Paul, uh, in, in verse 15, that, that phrase, speaking the truth, a lot of biblical scholars uh, basically say that the verb that, that is rendered speaking the truth is really the idea of living the truth out in both word and action. Living the truth out in both word and action. And so, um, you know, when, you know, just as I described with Justin, that we should be telling people about what God is doing in our life, both in the way we, 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 we live and the way that we, our words. Uh, we've talked about, you know, yeah, you can't, you can say a whole bunch and if your life doesn't back it up, then yeah, that's a problem. But if we just are going to rely on our life to, to say it all, we're missing the point that we're supposed to also point people specifically in our words to the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what I, I've seen Justin do just as natural in his life. And so um, we grow... When our lives are being changed, when our stories of life change are, are beginning to spill out, we, we can't hold back what Jesus is doing in our life. And three, when we care more and more for the vulnerable and marginalized people around us. We grow when we begin to care more and more for the vulnerable and marginalized around us. You know, caring for the, the most vulnerable people around us, it says something really important about who God is. It says God's arms are really, really wide. And yes, there's a place for you in the family of God. There's a place for you in this family, in this community. And you know, oftentimes it's the most vulnerable that they don't have a clue. They can't even imagine that there's a place for them in a place like this. That's why it matters that we, we care for those vulnerable and the marginalized. And so... The church grows when our lives are being changed, when our stories of life change are being shared with others, and when we begin caring more and more for the vulnerable and marginalized around us. And where's the source of all this growth? Verse 16 in here. From him, from who? From Jesus Christ, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Uh, Christ is the source of this growth in our life together. We just sang that phrase, Christ is the center of our life. Christ is the center of our life together. He is the source of this growth. Well, uh, there are two things I want you to consider in response. One, I, I, I urge you to decide now that you will love the church. Decide now that you will love the church. I remember uh, sitting in the, the northernmost Denny's uh, a number of years ago in Fairbanks with a friend named Steve, and it was like midnight. It was like one of the only places open. And um, Steve, uh, Autumn and I had gotten to, meet, gotten to know Steve and his wife over several years uh, prior to that, and what seemed like out of the blue, Steve suddenly decided that he no longer loved his wife. And he was in a place of crisis. He called me and I said, hey, let's go to Denny's. I know they're open. So we, here we are sitting there. <clears throat> and um, 
you know, Steve, it became pretty clear what Steve wanted more than anything is he wanted me to tell him it was okay. It's, it's okay. You, you've lost that loving feeling. There's a song, I think, like that. Um, you've lost that loving feeling. It's okay. You, you just divorce her. You're okay. And, and you know, I, I ended up telling Steve, I said, Steve, you you got to make a decision. you got to make a decision. Are you, are you going to... Are you going to choose to love your wife? I could have told you when you got married a few years ago that you were going to hit a point where that loving feeling was going to be gone, or at least waning. That's not a surprise to me. So what are you going to do now that you've hit that point? And, and if you, as long as you leave divorce, because nothing had happened, there was no infidelity or whatever that happened in their marriage. I said, if you leave divorce on the table as an option, I guarantee what's going to happen, whether it's a month or a year, you're going to, you're going to go that route once, if you don't take it off the table. And pretty much the conversation was over there because it became apparent he had already divorced her in his heart. And sure enough, within a few weeks, he left her. And, um, yeah, if there's ever one of those moments where you just have to call someone's behavior very jerky, his, he, he, his behavior was very much a jerk. He even forced her to be the one who eventually filed for divorce because he said, if you want to divorce me, you can divorce me, so that he could tell everyone else that she had divorced him. Anyway, um, but he had not decided that he was going to love his wife when they were standing there before each other. He decided he was going to love her as long as the feeling was there. Now, going back 27 years ago when I was like, okay, I'm, I don't know if I can enter back into this thing called the church. The only thing, honestly, that really kept me... Uh, going and, and compelled me to, to enter back in, which we did. We, we, had, we had moved from Fairbanks down to the Kenai, saw that in the area. Um, the only reason that, that we kept uh, going back and we, we entered in again to the church is that we, had, we realized we had decided to love the church. It was, a, it was a faith step based on everything we had experienced. But we had decided that when God says that he loves his church and that he is revealing himself to the world through the church, that he hadn't suddenly changed his mind just based on what I had experienced. And so when we entered in, something began to happen in me over the next few years within the context of doing life together where I had some people telling me some things I didn't really want to hear about my own, what was going on inside of me. But something very formative happened in that. And that was that I began to realize that as long as I'm a part of this thing called the church, it's going to be a little less than com- that compelling vision than Jesus gives. Why? Because I'm a part of it. Because my brokenness is part of it. You see, I've been looking for many years at all the stuff that I had experienced and I've been pointing at everybody else without realizing that I, I was part of the, the, the brokenness. I was part of the dysfunction. It wasn't all my fault, but I was a huge contributor to that. And all of a sudden, I had, there was a freedom to be able to both receive grace and to give grace and to realize that if I'm going to be a part of this thing, it's always going to be less than this compelling vision until Jesus comes and reigns you know, as our king right here in, in, the new, in the new heavens and the new earth. And so um, the other thing that, that was very formative, more formative in that is that I also made a decision that... Uh, you know, it's okay to ask the hard questions because uh, we are, as we've talked about here, we are a beautiful mess. 
We are beautiful. We are glorious. And there's so much of that I experience. But there's also a mess that happens because I bring my mess. You bring your mess and we have mess. And we're all trying to work towards Christ in the midst of that mess. And it becomes this beautiful thing. But we, we need to be able to ask the hard questions about what is church? What are we experiencing? Is it, should it be a little different than that? And are we, are we experiencing this change that Christ says that, that, we're, that he wants for us in, in the life of the church? So it's okay to ask the hard questions. I have those conversations with, with many of you all the time. But when my commitment was that I was not going to ask those hard questions standing outside the church. As if to say, hey, you guys figure it out. Figure out how to do it well. Then I'll come and join you. No, my commitment out of love for the church, because God loves his church, is that if I, I'm going to work towards that goal within the mess. That's part of what it means to love his church. So I urge you to decide now that you're going to love his church. Secondly, um, I urge you to enter into this thing called life together. Okay, life together Wednesdays, it's not about a new program uh, it's about creating an environment where discipleship can happen alongside of others and across generations, okay? And um, it's an invitation to get into a smaller setting than what can happen here on Sundays, where you can have this life-on-life thing that happens. And um, it, it, it takes a little risk to, to get in and do that. And um, as uh, Erica mentioned earlier, we're going to be uh, using, looking at the topic uh, of resolving everyday conflict. And uh, next week, Christian Muntine from Beyond Borders, who has become a good friend of ours as a church, he's going to be with us on Sunday, and he's going to be talking to us. Why is it important that we be willing to have these hard conversations as the people of God? And so um, it's about Life Together Wednesdays is about going a little deeper, and we don't apologize for, for investing heavily on Wednesdays, okay? Um, if Wednesdays is completely out of the, the, you know, the, the, the realm of possibility for you to be involved, come to talk to one of us. Talk to Pastor Keith. There's, there are other things that are going to be going on, okay? But we're, we're not ashamed that we're, we're investing heavily on Wednesday nights. And so uh, we don't know exactly how this life change happens. Um, we, there's no formula to it. We rely on Christ as the center of our life to come in and pour into that and uh, to pour into that environment and to lead us to become more and more like uh, the person of Jesus Christ. If you're new to Community Covenant Church, this is a great way to enter in and get connected with others. If you're here and you're not a follower of Christ, I want you to know that there's a place for you in this family. There's a place for you in the family of God and there's a place for you um, in Life Together Wednesdays. Regardless of whether you've chosen to follow Christ or not, to be able to enter in with an openness to see how would God reveal his love for you in the midst of doing life together. You're invited into that. So I encourage each of you to lean into this life together. Decide now to love his church and find a way to enter in to life together Tuesdays. A living faith is produced through life together. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for um, the life change that you bring. You're the only one who can bring about this transformation um, in our hearts. Um, We pray for more of this. We pray for this in huge doses as a church. Help us to learn uh, more and more how to do life together, Lord. Um, We rely on you as the source 
of this kind of uh, growth, Lord. Uh, Father, I pray that as we, uh, we continue to listen to your heart, Lord, that, that we would respond to you. We'd be able to make hard choices if that's what's necessary, not out of any kind of guilt or whatever, but because you're working in our hearts, Lord, and we want to respond. Uh, thank you for loving us, Lord. Your love for us, the gospel, is what our life is centered around, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.